turned it to me early, so I can preach a long time and we can still get out early. Or I can preach a short time and we can get out even earlier, right? <laughs> or let's just preach and see what God will do. Let's just have church. God will take care of all the rest of it. Praise God, praise God. First Corinthians, the sixth chapter, beginning at the ninth verse, very familiar setting of scripture. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. But note this 11th verse. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You may be seated tonight. I want to preach to us for the next little while. That's a relative term. About this thought, there's simply a break with the past. A break with the past. This scripture that we've read is very familiar to us. And it starts out with a, a listing of some very repugnant things and obvious sin. And it talks about the unrighteous. And it says, be not deceived. And I'll just throw this in for good measure as we get started here in this day and age of, you know, believe and go to church regular and soothe your conscience and be a good person. And everything will be all right. And it doesn't really make any difference what you do. The Word of God says, He gives a whole list. And He starts out with a general statement of the unrighteous. And then He begins to list some specific sins and things that people participate in, and he says they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. That's the word of God. I believe it still takes repentance. still takes baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin and the infilling of the Holy Ghost and us allowing that infilling of his spirit to change us and to make us different than what we were. But I like this 11th chapter. It says, and such were some of you, addressing what, as he wrote to the church, what some of them had been when he listed that terrible list to those people who were in the church, those who those around may have looked at and thought were so good and were so fine and, and better than they could ever be. The Apostle Paul pulled the cover off and said, and such were some of you that are reading this, that are sitting in the congregation. And we have a tendency to go and to look at the past tonight. We sometimes live powerless, paralyzed, spiritual lives as prisoners of our past. Sometimes we're so distressed over yesterday's failure that we can't triumph over the challenges of today. And when we get so distressed and so discouraged and so down and out, we are very readily aided and abetted by that one that the Bible calls the accuser of the brethren and the accuser of our soul as he comes and he tries to destroy our confidence in God and in His ability to deliver us from what we were. And He tries to keep us as prisoners of our past. Many times the boundaries of our faith and, and our view of the possibilities of what can happen in our life and what we can be are shaped and are set by our past experiences. And that's normal. That's the natural man. That's the way we operate based on past experience and where we've been. And that's how we decide many times what we're capable of in the future. 
when we want to move forward in God into a new dimension, when we want to do something in the work of God, when we want to stand up and be counted, when it makes a difference, we are very quickly reminded by that enemy, not of who we are, not of the time we repented, not of when God's blood came and it washed us and cleansed us, but we're reminded of who we were. There are people in this place tonight that you spent more time today wrestling and fretting over situations in your past and where you've come from and where you've been than you did addressing the problems of today. And when you look at the situation and the challenge in living for God today, you looked at it from the perspective of your past failures. I don't tell you that because I'm a prophet. I'm not prophesying. I'm not going to pick you out. I'm telling you that because I know people and human nature. And you get a crowd this size. There's plenty. And it's not just a few because every one of us tonight deals with this at times in our lives. And just in case you're wondering who I'm preaching to, I'm preaching to you. Whoever you are, I'm preaching to you. Those of you that said me, yeah, you. You're the one. Prisoners of our past. Some of us can't ever make a break with our past. Some of us struggle continually because we're never able to escape what we were and what we have been and where we have been. And we wrestle with it daily in our minds. Some of us go to sleep at night weeping tears of regret because of things we've done in our past and because of past mistakes. Some of us wake up in the morning and we begin to accuse ourselves and beat ourselves down and we have a little glimmer of hope and what we'd like to do and we'd like to live victorious, but we remember the last time that we attempted. We quickly cast it aside and forget about it. Sometimes it's so much easier to live in the past. Sometimes it's so much easier to look at what might have been instead of at the challenge of today and what we can do with this day and with what we've been given. It's so much easier to look at what might have been if my life had been different than what I can do with today and with the time that I've been given. That's what happened when Jesus came. To make a very long story short tonight. When Jesus came to Bethany after he had been told two days before that Lazarus was sick and he was sick unto death. He waited around two days and told his disciples, let's go to Bethany now. And the disciples were trying to figure out what's holding him up. Why is he not gone already? And Jesus turned and he told them, Lazarus is asleep. Disciples said he must be doing better. He's sleeping. Must be feeling good. Finally getting a good rest. Jesus said, you don't understand. He's dead. The scripture said he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Oh, that's different. Emotional Thomas right away said, well, let's just go die with him. Yeah, let's go to Bethany and we'll just all die there with him. What's the use in living since our friend died? Jesus told them that this happened for the glory of God and that the glory of God might be demonstrated. They didn't understand what was going on and I don't want to drive it into the ground being silly, but they didn't understand what was happening. They were scratching their head as the disciples spent much of their time doing, walking around with Jesus, trying to figure out what's he doing? What's he talking about? Why is he acting this way? Like we've never seen anybody act before. 
What's going on here? But they begin to make their way to Bethany. And if you begin to read the Scripture and you begin to read about what happened, the Scripture tells us that before he ever got to the house, that Martha heard that he was coming and she ran to meet him. And the first thing that she said to him was, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother should not have died. And Jesus looked at her and in his mind, I'm sure he was thinking, I'm here. And he told her, I am here. And he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And Martha said, oh, I, I know, Lord, that your brother, that he's going to rise again. And I'm getting my the cart before the horse in this story. Jesus told her that her brother was going to rise again. And she said, I know he's going to rise on resurrection day. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. But I want you to catch where Martha was to begin with. She couldn't realize and she couldn't bring herself to understand that Jesus was there. All that mattered was that He was there. But she was so concerned about the fact that He hadn't been there four days ago that she couldn't recognize that He was here. And He can take care of the situation now. She was still hung up on what happened four days ago. Instead of worshiping Him and saying, I'm so glad you're here. Can you take care of the situation? Instead, if you'd been here, I know he wouldn't have died. I got faith in you. He came. And Mary, the one who had always been willing to sit at his feet when Martha was busy working, she came. And she told him, she said, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother should not have died. Again. It went back to the past. I can almost hear Jesus in his mind saying, but I am here. Then he went and the scripture said he began to groan. He said, show me where you've laid him. That scripture says Jesus wept. All the kids like to memorize and say, I know a scripture. Jesus wept. I can quote one. That's where it came from. He was weeping. And as he wept, the crowd looked at him, the multitude that was around, and said, oh, he must have really loved Lazarus. And surely if this man who opened the blind eyes had been here, he should have been able to heal this man, Lazarus, and take care of him, and we wouldn't be in this condition. Jesus didn't even waste any more breath trying to explain to him. He just said, roll the stone away. And it called Lazarus, come forth. But those people, Martha and Mary, those who knew Jesus, those who were very close to Him, they were so busy living in the past and what might have been and what could have been. And it's easy for us to criticize them because we read the end of the story in the Word of God. But we often live in the same place we often wake up every day wishing and wondering and thinking what might have been, what could have been if I would have just been raised in the church. What could my life have been had I not backslid? What could I have been had I not made that mistake when I was a teenager? What could have happened in my life if I just had not... Fill in the blank. If I'd come to God before my life had been so messed up. If I just had a little more faith. If in that one service when I felt the pull and the call of God, if I would have responded, what would have happened? We spend so much time worrying about it. We miss the fact when we come to church that we are in His presence. And He is here. And He's able to deal with the situation, whatever it may be. I can't change yesterday. The past is done and gone. But I know one, and I feel His presence in this house tonight, who's able to deal with whatever I face today. He's able to deal in this atmosphere with whatever problem I wrestle with in my life. If I'm willing to make a break with my past. 
courage to step out and say, I'll accept the challenge. I'll leave the past behind and I'll put it in your hands and you direct me and you lead me and I'll go and I'll do and I'll be. Israel was never able to overcome their past and break with their past. I really believe that that's what caused Israel to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Who were they? Who were these over 3 million people? suddenly found themselves by the Red Sea shore just a couple of weeks before they were under the whip of the Egyptian taskmaster. Just a few days before they were taking their direction from somebody else. Somebody else told them where to go. Somebody else told them when to come. Somebody else told them what to do. They had been raised as slaves in Egypt. And they had lived that way all of their life. And their parents and their grandparents before them, they had heard stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and even Joseph. And they knew how it all came about. But all they had ever known was slavery and the whip and the hot sun and the hard work. All they had ever known was taskmasters that told them what to do. Men who took their babies if they felt threatened by them and destroyed them as they stood by helpless and couldn't do anything. All they were was servants and slaves. That's why when Moses came, I believe, number one, that's why that God chose to have Moses raised in the house of Pharaoh. He was an Israelite that wasn't raised with that slave mentality. He wasn't raised under the whip of the taskmaster. He didn't think of himself as one that was capable of nothing better than making little bricks out of mud and doing manual labor. But he recognized that he amounted to something and he had ability and he had the best training there was. So he wasn't afraid. He wasn't embarrassed to walk in to Pharaoh's palace. He hadn't lived as a slave. But what happened when he came out? Some of the Israelites met him. They said, what do you think you're doing? You and Aaron. All you're going to do is get Pharaoh mad at us. We're talking about a man that walked in, threw a stick down on the ground, turned into a serpent. Pharaoh's magicians looked, and they threw theirs down. They turned into serpents. And the rod of Aaron, the serpent that came from that rod, ate up their serpents. I don't know about you, but I've never seen anything like that. There are some amazing things going on. When Moses and Aaron came out, don't get him stirred up. He's just going to make it harder on us. We're slaves in this country. Don't you know they're our masters? They're going to make us work harder. And they did. They increased their workload. I believe that's part of the reason why God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. He was trying to demonstrate something to his people. He was trying to demonstrate his power and who it was that was calling them out and who they were and to what lengths he would go to deliver them. But they never were able to break with their past when they came to the Red Sea and they saw the armies of Pharaoh behind them. Here they are. Freedom they never had before. First time in their life They'd had days without looking for somebody to smack them around and tell them what to do and order them in their day's business. They'd been free. But when they stood at the Red Seashore after God had done the ten plagues, they stood there and they said, oh, we shouldn't have let Moses talk us into this. We shouldn't have come out here. We should have just stayed where we were. You know what they were saying? We're just slaves. 
We're just slaves. We don't belong out here. What are we doing? Why are we fooling ourselves? You look, the same thing followed them everywhere they went. Whenever they failed God, as they walked and they went to the wilderness and they wandered there for the 40 years. Why did they wander? Because they came. God parted the the Red Sea. But when they came and they faced the Jordan River and the spies came back and began to tell them, it's just like we heard. It's just like God said. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. Look at the fruit we brought back. Look at the blessings. Oh, we can't tell you how beautiful it is. It's wonderful. It's great. But we can't have it. God's done everything else, he said. It's just like he said. Why? What made him do that? You know why? They had never broken with the past. Once again, they begin to murmur and to complain against Moses and against Aaron. And they begin to say, what are we doing in this place? Why are we here? We should have stayed in Egypt. Oh, we got beaten. We got knocked around. But we were just fooling ourselves. We wandered all the way across this wilderness. And now here we are, a bunch of former slaves. And we're standing out here. And we're looking at walled cities. We're looking at armed men. And big armies and mighty men. Who have grown up with the sword and the spear in their hand. But we're just servants. All we know how to do is use a trowel. All we know how to do is put mud bricks together. All we know how to do is carry heavy loads. We don't have any business here. We should have stayed in Egypt. They're saying we are just slaves. We should have known. Somewhere. We let some smooth talker. Aaron. Be in the mouthpiece. Moses talk us into coming out to this place and now look where we are slaves that's all we are that's why every time they ran into trouble ran into trouble and, and had a division in another place and they said let's appoint a captain over us uh, to take us back to Egypt of all places why did they want to go back to Egypt Why do they want to go back to the people that killed their babies? Why do they want to go back to the ones that laid the whip on their back? Because they thought they were just slaves. They weren't ever able to break from their past and step out into what God offered them and say, it doesn't make any difference what I was. All that matters is what God has called me to. All that matters is that He has spoken and that He's leading and I can follow Him. Oh, what a type of those of us who wrestle with our past. Those of us who have been used to being directed by the master of sin. We've had the slave master of sin driving us, laying his whip on our back, taking us places we didn't want to go, destroying our families, destroying relationships, taking everything that was precious from us, nothing that was our own. God calls us. And He says, there's a whole new world for you. There's a whole new life for you. And we see it. And we feel His presence. We hear the preaching. It pierces our heart. We can't get over our past. In our mind, the devil's whispering. Yeah. But you're just my slave. You're still subject to my orders. You're still going to do what I tell you to do. You may have been my servant, but at least you knew what the day held, you liar. He's a liar. You didn't know what the day held in sin. You didn't know what trouble you might face in a day. You didn't know what you were going to wake up to every day and what you were going to wrestle with. He's a liar. He's a liar and he's the father of liars. 
but we believe in our mind. We begin to believe I'm just a sinner. I don't belong here anyway. What am I doing fooling myself? We sit in church. We feel the call of God. And we're afraid to respond because we know where we've been. We know where we've camped from. We know the things we participated in. We can't break with it. That's why God told them, you stay out here in the wilderness until every one of you over 20 years of age dies. I'm going to take a group of people into the promised land that all they've known is eating manna. All they've known is drinking water from the rock. All they've known is shoes that don't wear out. Clothes that don't wear out. All they've known is my provision and my sustenance. But I would have done it for you if you could have broken with your past. If you could have quit looking at your past and looked at me, I would have brought you in and I would have delivered it into your hands. And they got mad at God, got mad at Moses at one point when they were rebelling. They said, Who do you think you are, Moses? You didn't bring us to a land of milk and honey. You didn't give us an inheritance. No, because you couldn't ever step out and break with your past. You couldn't ever put your life in the hands of God. I hope you're quiet because you're listening. That's what happened to Peter. You read the scripture and you find, I believe the first time that Jesus met him, he said, your name's Simon. You're going to be called Peter. You know what he's telling him? You're going to be different. There's going to be some changes coming to your life. It wasn't too long after that that we read and we find where one day he came to teach the multitude and he came to the boat of Simon. And he climbed in and he said, would you push out a little bit in the deep and let me teach him from your boat? And so he began to teach. When he got done teaching, he turned around to Peter, who had already cleaned up the boat for the day. He was getting ready to quit for the day. He'd already put the nets away. He'd already stacked everything up. But Jesus turned to him and said, cast your net over there into this lake. Peter looked at him, just like a lot of us do. And he said, Lord, he already knew that this was a great man, a great teacher. He had just heard him teach. He already knew there was something different. His brother Andrew had brought him and said, I think this might be the Messiah. But it hadn't really dawned on Peter what was going on. You know, his life was still rolling on. Well, this is kind of nice. Listen to him. He teaches good. He's interesting to listen to. But Jesus told him, cast that net over there. And Peter looked at him and he said, Lord, we fished all night and we haven't caught anything. You know what he was telling him? I'm a fisherman, God. I'm a fisherman, Jesus. I've fished this lake all my life. I know when there's fish and I know when there's not. You're talking to me about my livelihood. Every day I'm out here on this lake. But at your word, nevertheless at thy word, we'll cast the net in. And the scripture said he let down the net. And when they pulled it up, it was so full that the net began to break. And they called for their friends in the other boat. And there were so many fish in the one net that both boats began to sink. And they were afraid they wouldn't make it back to shore. And Peter looked at that, Simon at the time. And he, I don't know what all went through his mind, but he was thinking, I know better than this. I know fishing. I know this lake. I know how it works. And this doesn't just happen. And he fell on his knees, he said, at the feet of Jesus. And he said, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. You know what he was saying? I, I didn't expect anything like this. It was okay. 
as long as you told compelling stories. It was okay as long as you preached. It was okay as long as we were worshiping and things were feeling good. But you're asking me now to accept and deal with some things and some possibilities that I've never seen before. You know what Jesus did? He looked at him when he told him to part from me. He didn't address his past. Peter was saying, you don't know who I am. You don't know how sinful I've been. You don't know the crowd I've run with. You don't know the deeds I've done. You don't know the times that I've failed. You don't know where I've been, Jesus. Go away. You're obviously in the wrong place. You obviously came to the wrong part of town when you were looking for followers and you came to me. I'm not worthy. Go away. I'm just a sinful man. Jesus looked at him. He said, come follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. You know what he was saying? Peter, this is your chance today to make a break with the past. This is your chance today to see something different than you've ever seen before. This is your chance to be more than you've ever been before. All you ever saw yourself as was a rough, burly, sinful fisherman. But I'm telling you, if you'll break with that, and if you'll follow me, I'll make you into something you never dreamed of. If you'll break with your past, if you can get past it, if you can get over it, if you can follow me, if you've got the courage, Peter, to get up off the sand and leave the nets and leave the boats behind and come after me, I'm going to make you into something you never even dreamed of. This breaking with the past isn't easy, though. It isn't something that's accomplished real quick. It's something that's buried deep in our heart. And again, there's an enemy that comes to us and tells us over and over, remember what you were. Remember what you were. Oh, you know the devil came to Peter over and over. Peter, you don't belong here. You don't belong here. And you know what? Finally, we find Peter. We look at him after three and a half years at the feet of Jesus. After seeing blind eyes open, deaf ears unstopped. Stood there when he called Lazarus forth from the tomb. Stood there on Mount Transfiguration and saw the glory and the power and the might of God. Saw Jesus take the ear cut off of the servant of the high priest and reattach it. Saw the man stretch forth the withered hand. And more. And more and more than we could tell tonight. Peter saw it all. But what happened to him? The judgment hall. When he denied the Lord, Jesus said, You've had a revelation. Your name's going to be called Peter. Upon this rock I'll build my church. On the revelation he gave him. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Peter saw it all. He was in the inner circle, if you please. He was one of the close ones. He didn't miss any of it. But when he denied the Lord at Pilate's hall, and after the death, the burial, and the resurrection, the Scripture said he ran out. When Jesus looked at him, there was something happened. There was such a feeling of failure that came over him. There was such a feeling of defeat. He ran away. After the resurrection, I don't find where Jesus ever spoke directly to Peter. I see where He appeared and He talked to the disciples. I see where He came in their presence. He did send the message and say, tell Peter and the rest of the disciples. And I think Peter got excited and thought the Lord's going to come talk to me. But when He appeared, He didn't talk to him. And after a few days, 
Peter, in his despair, he turned back around and he said, I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I'm going fishing. The devil had been beating on him. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you that he might sift you as wheat. The devil had been beating on him. You're just Simon. You're just Simon. You had a big dream. It was a fun three and a half years. It was exciting. Everywhere you went, the crowd gathered around. You were on the inside. You were there. You were jumping and running on Sunday night, if you please. You were there when people received the Holy Ghost. You felt the Spirit of God. You prayed. He worked through you. He went out. No doubt was part of the 70 that went out. And devils were subject to him. You were there. But you were fooling yourself, Peter, all the time. You knew you were just a sinful fisherman. You should have stayed in the sand on the beach. Does that sound like the devil? You don't have any business getting up. Who were you trying to kid anyway? Come on! He's a religious leader. He's a great teacher. What kind of speaker are you? All you ever do is open your mouth at the wrong time and get in trouble. Just a few minutes after Jesus told you you had a revelation from God, the very next set of verses He tells you, you don't understand the things of God. Because you opened your mouth too quick. You might as well quit. You're not able to get away. I tell you, there are things that are driven deep in our hearts, uh, in our spirits, in our lives and experiences uh, that if we look at our lives and we look at where we've been and we look what we've done, uh, the devil will beat us over the head uh, over and over and over, day after day after day. Uh, hour after hour, minute by minute, uh, you're fooling yourself. Uh, you're a sinful. Uh, you're an ungodly person. Uh, you're immoral. Uh, you're bound by the habits of sin. Uh, you can't break the chains. Uh, he'll do it. Uh, but I'm telling you, uh, you can break with the past tonight if you want. Uh, you don't have to live in that situation. Three and a half years and he went fishing. walked on the water. And he went back fishing. Back to the boat and the net that God had called him from. It's not easy always to get the courage to step out. But it's not your ability. It's not your strength. It's not your knowledge. But it's Him. You need to quit looking at the past. And you need to look at Him for when they were out and Peter was in the midst of his despair, sitting in a boat. Oh, isn't it amazing how like the first time it was, sitting in a boat where they had fished all night and they hadn't caught anything and the sun's coming up in the morning. Oh, the time when you're tired and the despair seems the deepest. I don't doubt that Peter was sitting there feeling sorry for himself. He was sitting there thinking about the times with the Lord. He was thinking about what might have been. He was thinking about what could have been. He was thinking about the hope that had been in his life. He may have even been remembering that first time when Jesus had called to him and said, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. And he's thinking, where did I go wrong? How did I miss it? How did I lose it? How did I mess up? Where did it go? It's all gone. And suddenly, a voice cried from the shore, Children, have you any need? Children, have you any meat? I believe he's calling tonight to some of you 
that you wrestle with your past, uh, that the devil beats you up every day about what you were and what you have been and the mistakes you've made, uh, and you wrestle with it. Uh, but Jesus is calling tonight, uh, and He's saying, Children, uh, have you any meat? Uh, do you have anything to sustain you? Uh, is there any strength in your life? Uh, are you really happy going back to the boat? Uh, are you really happy back there toiling at the nets again? Uh, Oh, is your stomach full? Is your spirit being fed? Or are you empty? Are you in despair? And Peter made the right choice. He said, I did it before. I'm going to do it again. He jumped over the side and he began to swim to shore. I don't know what the rest of you are doing, but it just dawned on me. I don't have any business in this boat. I'm getting out of it as fast as I can. And I'm making my way back to Jesus. Him back. And Jesus met him. And Jesus began that restoration process in him. As he began to ask him, Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? If you do, feed my lambs. Uh, you know what he was telling him? Peter, if you really love me, uh, get the vision again. Uh, get it back again. Uh, Understand, I'm not through with you. I told you I'd make you a fisher of men. If you're willing to follow me, then I'm calling you again and I'm telling you to go feed my lambs. The call's still real. It's still there for you. All you got to do is make a break with the past. Get up from this shore. Get out from here. Get away from the boat. Get away from the net. Make a break with the past. you make the break is to respond to the call of Jesus. That's why when they brought that woman that was taken in adultery and cast her at the feet of Jesus, taken in adultery, Moses' law says to stoner, what do you say? Jesus began to write in the dust. Stood up. He said, let he that is without sin, cast the first stone. The devil tells you you're a failure. He tells you you haven't gotten what those other people have got. But the Scripture says all have failed and come short to the glory of God. I have failed and come short of the glory of God. Everyone in this house tonight has failed and come short of the glory of God. The difference is those that are willing to make a break with it. The difference is those that are willing to truly repent and say, I'm going to leave it behind. I'm going to walk away. I don't care how many times I've gotten up in the past. I'm getting up one more time and I'm going on. I'm not going to let the devil beat me over the head anymore. God's still calling. That's why you feel His presence here tonight. He's saying, such were some of you. You can put it in the past. You can break from the past. You can be washed. You can be sanctified. You can be justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You don't have to live in your past. You can live in the presence of Jesus tonight. And I'll just throw this in very quickly. Jesus looked at them and said, Let he that is without sin cast the first stone. I would hate to be the one that resisted someone. They were trying to make a break from their past. That's why God told Saul 400 years after Israel left Egypt, you go back and you get those Amalekites and you kill every one of them. The Amalekites were the grandson of Esau. They were relatives. They were brothers, if you please. But when Israel was trying to leave their bondage, and their slavery, they resisted them. And they held them back and they had to fight. And God remembered it 
400 years later, he said, go back and kill every one of them. I don't want to resist anybody that's trying to break with their past. Uh, God, help me to have compassion. Uh, God, help me to pray for them. Uh, God, help me to work with them. Uh, God, help me to bring them along uh, as they make a break with their past. Uh, for Jesus knelt uh, and He wrote in the dust again. Uh, and as He wrote, uh, those men begin to drop those rocks by their side. Uh, and they begin to turn and slink away until they were all gone. Uh, and Jesus stood and looked at that woman uh, and said, Woman, where are thine accusers? Adulteress, she knew it. Jesus knew it. But Jesus gave her an opportunity. He said, Neither do I condemn thee. Go thy way and sin no more. You know what he was saying? Your past is in the past. You've been living this life. You don't want to. And I'm telling you today, if you want to make a break, this is your chance. All you got to do is get up from the ground and walk away and never come back to this life again. Go thy way and sin no more. Would you stand with us tonight? The presence of the Lord is in this house tonight. He's challenging some in this house. He's calling some, saying, come on, make a break from your past. Make a break from your past. You've lived there too long. God, to the pulling down of strongholds. If you've lived bound by your past, tonight's the night. If you're bound by sin and habits of sin, He's calling tonight. And He's saying, break the chains. Come to Me. And I'll set you free. You can break with your past if you got enough courage to get up and to come follow. He's calling the saints of God that you put yourself on the shelf spiritually and said, I messed up so bad. I messed up so many times. I'll just be happy to come and kind of sit in the back and observe. God's calling you. And He's saying, make a break with the past. He's saying, come on, Peter. Get out of the boat. Remember that Sunday night. Remember when I used you. Remember when you felt my spirit. Remember when you travailed in the spirit. Remember how it felt. Make a break with your past and come on. Those of you that the devil comes and accuses you over what you were before you came to God. Come on, make a break with the past. Don't stand there and look at me tonight. Make a break. God's calling. You know who he's calling? Have you ever thought... Of what you'd like to be in God. You ever thought of what you would be if only, and you fill in the blank, whatever it is. Have you ever wanted to pray and you thought you would if you only had or hadn't, whatever it might be? You ever woke up in the morning and thought those thoughts so hopeless? I've already done it. I can't change the past. I'm telling you, God's calling tonight for us to be all that He put the potential in us to be. Because it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. This treasure we have in earthen vessels. Just in earthen vessels. You'll never be more than an earthen vessel. Except you possess His Spirit. Uh, come on, this altar's open. Uh, there's those that are here already tonight. Uh, would you like to join them? Uh, come on. Uh, come on. Uh, 
the devil been beating you up about your past, come on, make a break with it tonight. God's calling. He's calling you to leave this place different. He's calling you to leave this place with a new determination. He's calling you to leave this place and be more than you've ever been before. He's calling you. He's calling. Come on, respond. Have the courage. Get up. Come on, Peter. You've been knocked down before. Come on, Peter. You spoke too quick before. Come on, Peter. You failed at a crucial, critical time. But Jesus is still calling. Make a break with the past. Leave it behind. Leave it behind. He wants to make you a fisher of men. You don't belong under the whip of sin. You don't belong as a slave of sin and the habits of sin. You've been washed. You've been sanctified. You've been justified. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Come on, make the break in prayer. Come on. I know I'm not messing up, but I want you to make the break in prayer. Come on. Come on. You can do it. You can do it. He's calling. He's calling. Respond. Come on. Get up. God, if you'll call me again, if you'll move on me again, I'll be, I'll do, I'll go, I'll say, I'll work, I'll pray, I'll teach, I'll help, I'll worship, I'll sing. Just help me make a break. Come on. You're not the sinner you were. Come on. You're not a slave. Come on. Eat the manna. Come on. Drink the milk. Eat the honey. Quit looking at your past. He can destroy every terracotta. He can part every river, Jordan. He's able. You're his child. You're the children of promise. Let him do it. That's it. Pour your heart out. He's calling. He's calling. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to live that way. Oh, yeah. You've been washing his blood. You don't have to live under condemnation. Leave your sin under the blood. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Let's talk to God.